Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time on the show... Feminism was in the 60s and 70s, the fight for the social, economic, and political equality with men. Today, I think it is the childless woman's same fight for the social, economic, and political equality with mothers. Professional women, no kids. It's easy to feel left out of the conversation on women and work. I was the only woman on the panel who was single and childless, and it just hit me. You know, these books that we're reading... They don't capture my experience. They don't speak to me. And if you're married? People just assume that women who are married want to have kids and are going to have kids. I just find that people are very surprised when they find out that I don't want to have kids. Coming up, three women in their 40s childless and child-free are not being society's default setting. I first interviewed Melanie Notkin for a public radio story about four years ago about why marketers ignore single women. She's built a company called Savvy Auntie. It's an online community for women who like children but don't have any of their own. She's become a bit of a patron saint for women without kids. And there are more of us now than there used to be. In the UK, about a fifth of women now end their childbearing years without having had a child. In their mother's generation, that figure was one in nine women. In the US, it's slightly lower. About 18% of women don't have children by their mid-40s when fertility typically runs out. Earlier this year, Melanie published a book about the lives of women who always thought they'd have kids, but by their late 30s or 40s are still childless. Basically women like her and me. The book is called Otherhood. You've become a real advocate over the years for single women, especially through your other brand, Savvy Auntie. I'm, I'm interested in your perception of how society views single women. Yeah, it's, it's single women and, and frankly, any woman who is, is childless, especially those who are childless by circumstance, not by choice, that they may have married at, let's say, age 38, 42, and are having trouble conceiving who experience this place, this otherhood, where they are not only not living the life they expected, but they're also not living the life that others expected of them. And there is a lot of judgment. One common accusation is that you're too fussy, or there are the people who tell you to settle, that love and attraction are overrated anyway. Just marry that guy and have his babies while you still can. But Melanie doesn't buy this, and she doesn't think other women should have to either. The one thing they can't control is when and how they fall in love. And by the way, 
that doesn't necessarily mean that they haven't been in love or found love, but it doesn't mean that the guy is ready to commit, right? So there, it takes two to tango. And so society yet puts all the blame on these women. We're not doing enough. Well, if you just tried harder, if you weren't so picky, have you heard of Match.com? I just heard about this new app called Tinder. Have you tried that? As if, as if these single women don't have these conversations with themselves and don't know about these things, or they call them, well, you're just delaying it. Or they call them, and I know this is very relevant to your listeners, they call us career women. And what I found, find so crazy about that is that there are no career men. It's a very loaded term. A term that came into being in a different era when middle-class women who worked were outliers. But now the majority of women work outside the home, yet the expression career woman lives on, with connotations of the dedicated workaholic who doesn't care about much else. Why do you think this stereotype persists? Because it really does. I mean, I see that term bandied about all the time. I I see it too, and I've been called a career woman. I've been called a lot of things around career women, like a, a, a feminazi career woman, as if having a job is some sort of radical feminist idea. And in fact, of course, we have to pay the rent. There are many working mothers, wives who who work as well. We all have to pay the rent. Um, I think that it's bandied around because we, as as these quote-unquote so-called career women, haven't changed the conversation. We have to be honest and say, why did you call me a career woman? And this is actually something that happened to me on a date. He said, he's an attorney, and he said, well, so I don't understand. You're this, that, and everything else. Why aren't you married? And I said, well, I just haven't met him yet. Clearly, I knew this guy wasn't him. And he said, well, you know, I I know, I understand, I know your type. What do you mean? Well, there's a woman in my office, another attorney. You know, she's a career woman. Why is she a career woman and you're just a a roaming bachelor? Oh, well, you know, you know what I mean. No, I I don't know what you mean. (laughs) Why is she a career woman? Why do you suppose or assume that she has chosen to be an attorney over finding love, marriage, and, and children. Why, why is it that being an attorney for you is just part of who you are, but being an attorney for her is all of what she is? Because chances are I've never met her, but that's not the case. Melanie says she talked to another female lawyer for the book. This woman was at a big firm, on track to become a partner, but she wanted to get married and have kids. So in her early 30s, she decided to scale back her work life so she could make that happen. She stepped off the partner track and went into the marketing department. She's now in her late 30s and she still hasn't found the guy. And she regrets sacrificing quite a bit of heft and income for an idea. I had a vaguely similar story without the starry ascent or the big money. Years ago, I hedged my bets in one direction. My biological clock was ticking. Other people were having babies left and right. I wanted to join them. Not only did I want it for myself, I felt it was what I should do. We are fed this message, I believe, that being a mother is the most important thing you can possibly do, that that should be the pinnacle of your life. Looking back on it, I I actually should have been more focused on what was going on around me at work, more savvily tapping into the politics and things I could have done to advance myself. Not that it would necessarily have done any good, but I wish I'd put fewer eggs in my relationship basket, a relationship that failed, and more in the career basket. I wish I'd paid more attention to what I could manage now. 
I hear that 100%. I, I mean, I moved to New York City because uh, there were more, I'm Jewish, and there are a lot more single men, Jewish men here. And I thought, well, maybe I'll meet a great Jewish guy. And I remember being on my job interview at a ripe age of 23, I think, and asking about uh, the maternity benefits because I wanted to make sure it was a nonprofit organization. I wanted to make sure that I'd be able to take time off had I become a mother. And um, this was something for me that was not only something I desired, it was something I expected would happen. I mean, I, I really, since I was a little girl, had always yearned to be a mother. And I took jobs in, in nonprofit world for my first, um, I'm going to say, seven years in New York City. And then it became too costly to live in New York City uh, without actually going back into the for-profit world, and so I did that. And I think that we, we must, we have to prepare for or manage careers that support our life goals or other life goals. But at the same time, we have to make sure that we can... Um, afford all the things we need to, to, to afford in order to even freeze our eggs. I mean, freezing eggs was not something viable, it wasn't even something we talked about the way that 20-somethings talked about when I was 20-something. Now it is an option, although the outcome's far from guaranteed, and it's an expensive option. It can be around $15,000 in a city like New York. Then, of course, there's the exhortation by some friends to have a baby on your own. Some women do, of course, but it's hardly something a single woman supporting herself can take lightly. When you're single with no kids by a certain age, you can feel like you don't fit in, that you're not in this club everyone else belongs to. And as Melody and I both know, when it's a club you expect her to be part of, it's hard. There's a whole mixture of feelings, including isolation. Yes, we can be made to feel outside society, which is actually why I titled the book Otherhood. Um, It is a little actually it's very existential but one will read as as one gets to the end of the book of how really is it how we look at ourselves or how society looks at us who's actually judging us here is it other people or is it us we can't change as much as we'd like to how society looks at us, but we can certainly change how we look at ourselves. And that's what I hope um, the reader is empowered to do when she reads this book, is um, to understand that she is not second to mother. In fact, I look at this as a, as, a new, as a new era in feminism, that feminism was, in the 60s and 70s, as we know, the fight for the social, economic, and political equality with men. Today, I think it is the childless woman's same fight for the social, economic, and political equality with mothers. Because when we talk about flex time at work for women, we're not talking about single women or childless women, we're talking about mothers. When we talk about work-life balance, we assume that all women are mothers. I think that we need to really understand what we say when we say women in the workforce, because often enough, it's really about mothers. Melanie Notkin. You can find her at SavvyAuntie.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Sarah Hinkle couldn't agree more with Melanie. She's 44 and she works in academia, in student affairs. She's in this book club with some friends and colleagues in the academic world. She says they meet regularly and some of the books they've been discussing lately are about women's leadership. Last year, Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In was on their list. The women ended up deciding to discuss these books on a panel at a conference in March of this year. And I was the only woman on the panel who was single and childless. And, you know, as we were sort of talking with one another about what we were going to discuss, it just it just hit me. You know, this, these books that we're reading, they, they don't capture my experience. They don't they don't speak to me. And it all kind of culminated. And I got a lot of good feedback at the presentation. And so I turned my presentation into this this blog entry, which was very cathartic and very nice to see that other women out there were were feeling the same thing and, and having the same experience. That's how I found her. A friend on Facebook alerted me to her blog post entitled The Invisible Single Woman. Sarah says that's basically how she feels a lot of the time. One of the things that uh, that Sandberg talked about is you know, one of the most important career decisions you're going to make is um, whether or not you have a life partner and who that partner is. And so I thought, well, huh, you know, somehow I I seem to have have created a successful career for myself without a partner. So, you know, am I somehow deficient or less than because I, I don't have this supportive partner? You know, that was one of the things that I I found frustrating. And also all the discussion about having children. You know, there's this idea that the single childless woman is this sort of cold, non-maternal career woman who has just focused on her career and has made this decision to delay having kids, which may or may not be the case, but I don't think you can assume that. She says that stereotype really bugs her. More than bugs her, actually, she finds it insulting. I said to her, what's always struck me about the popular media view of single women, or any woman without kids really, is that it's so reductive. It's like women have only one script, and we have to stick to it. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, I do care about my career. I would be lying if I said that I didn't. But I also care very much about my personal life, and uh, I I would like to have a family. So yeah, I think reductive is a great word for that. But you know what Melanie and I were just talking about, this idea of do you matter less because you don't have children? Sarah's thought about that herself. She's bought into it, in fact, when colleagues have had to leave work early for one reason or another. It's sort of this double standard and where, you know, the parent is applauded and and no one bats an eyelash because, well, of course, you know, he or she needs to pick up the kid from daycare or, or, you know, go to the baseball game or go to the doctor appointment but if you are a childless person, then you may be perceived as, as selfish because you want to go to a yoga class or go meet friends out or do whatever you're doing. And one of the things that I realized as I was sort of reflecting on this is that, you know, no one has ever really made a negative comment to me about it. It's really, it's really more of my own, the own guilt that I place on myself in that I too maybe don't value my time as much or think that a parenting colleague's time is more valuable than mine. So it's almost like it needs to start with me. I need to respect my time and realize my time is just as precious as anyone else's. 
But after I stopped recording, Sarah told me something. She said she wasn't sure that I mentioned it earlier because she feels so strongly about women with no kids being left out of these workplace conversations and how that needs to change. But seven years ago, she froze her eggs. And so I'm, I'm very lucky in that I had success. I became pregnant in February. So yes, um, when I was writing the article, I, I, I felt a little bit of a fraud because I was pregnant, but I wasn't able to share that at the time. But yeah, so I'm really interested to, you know, cross over to the other side and have that different perspective. But I also feel this, this sense of, of loyalty to my my single childless sisters out in the world in that I want to make sure that that I, as a, as a mother-to-be, never make them feel deficient or less than or, you know, that they've made a bad choice, uh, you know, if you can even call it a choice. So I think that's something that I intend to be very mindful of. I feel like mothers often you know, talk about motherhood as this great sorority. I had a colleague who said, oh, I can't wait till you join the club. And I thought, well, this is, this is not a club. This is, you're making a choice to take on this responsibility, which is great, but it's not this secret sorority that you should make other people feel like they are less than if they're not a member of. Her baby is due in late October. Yes, there are many women who don't have children and want them, but there's also a sizable minority that has no desire to have children. And if you're one of those women and you're married or partnered, that can be tough to explain to an expectant public of friends, family and colleagues. Jennifer Raypatch works in politics. Right now, she's the Western Pennsylvania political director for the campaign Tom Wolfe for Governor. Actually, this is my second career. I started off my career in teaching. I was a I was a music teacher, a band teacher, for 12 years. And then I went into politics in 2007 is when I left teaching. I always tell people that I left teaching and went into politics because there was too much politics in education. Then there's the politics of being married and child-free. That's how Jennifer describes herself. She's 43, and she's been married most of her adult life. When did you discuss whether or not to have kids? Well, uh, my husband and I had dated. We started dating in high school. So we had been together for a while before we got married at at 23. And we had talked off and on about not wanting kids or possibly wanting kids. It was never really an issue. When we were in our early 20s, we always said, absolutely not right now, maybe someday, but definitely not right now. And I think it was... Uh, when we were in early 30s, I said, uh, you know, I don't want to be one of these women that just puts off having kids and puts it off and puts it off and then finally has baby fever at 39 and then can't have children. So we need to make a decision. Do we want them or not? And we just decided that we liked our lives the way we they were. We didn't have a burning desire to have children. And so that's that's when we made the decision. When you wrote to me about this, you said a married woman who chooses not to have children is an enigma to most people. Expand on that, if you would. I think that when people, when, when women who are single don't have kids, they understand why they don't have kids. But people just assume that women who are married want to have kids and are going to have kids. Um, I get a lot of people 
who think that I'm younger than I am may, simply because they know that I'm married and, I, and they know that I don't have children. So they just assume that, oh, I just haven't decided to have kids yet. And also, I just find that uh, people are very surprised when they find out that I don't want to have kids and I'm married. I think, that, like I said, I think people assume that if women don't have children, it's because they don't have a, the opportunity to have them. Yeah, and I, I think there's also this assumption sometimes that if you are, you know, partnered or married and you choose not to have kids, it must be because you don't like children. And then, God, what kind of a woman are you? Yes, yes. And I was a teacher. So people, uh, you know, when I first started out, my uh, my first career was a teacher. And so people were just perplexed by that. You don't want to have children. Why Why don't you like children? You're, you're, you're a teacher. Um, my standard answer I came up with, you know, and here's the thing is when you don't have children, one of the things that I've found throughout my life in not being a mother is that you have to have uh, little quips to be able to deal with all of the questions. And one of the things that people were, like I said, people had questions about when I was a teacher and I didn't want to have children. My standard answer was that would be like the ultimate in bringing my work home with me. And it usually got a laugh, and then people would move on. But you have to deal with those things in order to, because having having a child is kind of the default setting, I think, in our society. And so when you go against the grain, you have to. There's a lot of complex reasons why you that you have to explain to people, and you just don't. A lot of times, it's just exhausting, and you don't want to have to do it, and you don't want to have to take the time to do it. And sometimes it's just personal. It's like, why are you up in my business? And some people do make it their business to give Jennifer a piece of their mind. I had a coworker tell me that I was selfish for not having children. Now, this, is a, this isn't a job where I was spending literally 60 to 70 hours a week in, in a job where I was advocate, advocating for, for working people and the poor. And he's telling me I'm selfish because I don't have children. And I kind of threw that back at him and he said, okay, I see your point. You know, I'm doing this work that is for the betterment of a large group of people, but because I'm, I don't have children, you're assuming that I don't have children because I just want to have a frivolous life. It's not the only time she's been accused of selfishness. What's usually the, the funniest thing is that people will say to me, and they, they don't understand the cognitive dissonance when it comes there, they'll, say, they'll tell me that I'm selfish, and then they'll say, who is going to take care of you when you get old? If that's not the most selfish reason to have children, I don't know what is. You know, I'm going to bring a child into the world just so they can take care of me when I get older? That's crazy. She thinks it's something others feel they have a right to challenge her on simply because most people do have families. The most aggravating aspect of this, she says, is when people have assured her, oh, you'll change your mind. Like the other two women you've heard from in this show, she feels the phrase work-life balance only applies to people with offspring. Not having kids has allowed her to work the crazy hours a job in politics requires pretty much guilt-free. But there are times she wants to leave at a decent hour, just like her colleagues who are parents. Going back to what you said about you know, work-life balance essentially meaning work family balance do you find that your husband counts as family in other people's eyes no definitely not 
I have, I have to struggle sometimes to explain to people that I need to take time off or I need to go home at a certain time because I want to see my husband. Um, my husband also travels for work quite a bit. So there are times when I'm, you know, I'm going to just say, look, I'm going home early because my husband and I are going to have dinner. And, but it, it takes an awful lot of explaining of my husband is my family and that I'm not, I'm not articulating this well. Um, no, no, I no, but I know exactly what you mean. It's like, it, essentially, so many people believe that it's looking after somebody else, somebody who needs you, somebody who may be a bit more helpless, like children up to a certain age. That's more respected than just spending time with the partner you love. Right. And I think that it's seen as more worthy, like Leaving work in order to take care of children or even work to take care of an elderly parent is more worthy than leaving work to take care of your marriage and having a relationship or even taking care of yourself. I remember listening to one of your podcasts before about um, women and sex and, and pleasure. And it really, I think, got to the issue of what's going on with all people and work in our society is that we find work worthy, we find raising children worthy, but we don't find taking care of yourself worthy. We don't find that, you know, just going home to read a book or going out to a movie is, is worthy time. True. And I suspect it could take many years and perhaps some kind of cultural revolution for those perceptions to shift. Before we stop talking, Jennifer wanted to clear up another common misconception about her life. Another thing that has always, I don't want to say bothered me, but something that's kind of expected of me is that people think that I'm choosing a career over children. And it's not that. Yes, I'm very invested in my career. Yes, uh, it's a very big part of who I am. And I dedicate a lot of my time and energy to my career. But I didn't have kids because it's the reason I didn't have kids is not because I wanted a career instead of children. It's because I just didn't want to have children of my own. I never had that baby fever. I never had that burning desire to have children. And I think that that's a valid choice, too. I just don't want to have children. And, you know, if I fill up other time with my, with my job, that's fine. But if I fill up my other time that I do that with, you know, volunteering or having a hobby or taking salsa dance classes, that's fine, too. Jennifer Raypatch. Now I'm going to make a recommendation. A few years ago, I read a wonderful book called Singled Out. It's by Juliet Nicholson, and it's about the generation of British women who ended up unexpectedly unmarried because so many men were killed during the First World War. These women were raised to be nothing other than wives and mothers, but they built incredibly full lives for themselves. Some of them were real pioneers in the world of work. Inspiring stuff. That's The Broad Experience for this time. I'll be posting show notes, as usual, under this episode at thebroadexperience.com. Thanks again to April Leslie for helping put this episode together. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.